Right, good morning, Redemption Church. So good. These are, these are the college students. I don't know if you can tell, but hey, it's uh, so good to be with you guys today. If I haven't met you, my name is Tony. I'm one of our college pastors here. I have the privilege to lead Salt Company in St. Paul, and I'm pumped. These guys are great. That's our crew. Uh, so glad to be with you guys this morning. Hey, thanks for Daniel reading the word. If you got a Bible, we'd love for you to open up to Psalm 33. That's where we're going to be this morning. Psalm 33, we're going to be continuing our series through the book of Psalms. And as we get into our time together, I have a confession, okay? Here's a confession. I love Eminem. I just do, okay? I know you're not supposed to. I know you're not supposed to listen, right? But I love Eminem, especially in the morning when I'm trying to work out. I don't want to listen to worship music. I need him to yell at me, okay? I love Eminem. Here's why. Here's why I love Eminem. Because every single one of his songs tell a story, right? When I listen to Lose Yourself, I am in Detroit. I am in Detroit about to engage in a rap battle when he says mom spaghetti. I'm like, I'm there. I'm there in the moment. I'm, I'm absorbing it all in, okay? All good songs tell a story. Okay, here's my question for you as we enter into our time together. If you had a song to tell your life story, what would it be? Okay, would it be all I do is win? Okay, you are the type of person to wear a headband during pickleball. You're like, I can't let the sweat get into my eyes. You're like, this is very important to me. I need to win. That is all you care about. Maybe it's Love Story by Taylor Swift. Shout out, great TBT. It's such a good song, right? I don't know. I don't know what it would be. But my guess is if we look into our culture, the type of songs that our culture sings revolve around the self. Songs like, I believe, dot, 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 in myself. I trust, dot, 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 in myself. Here's what I believe that is true in our culture and even within the church at large, that regardless of whatever our theological positions would be, if you looked at our lives, you took a glance into our daily lived experience, my guess is our lives would resemble more of a belief in ourselves than in God. Our lives would resemble more of a trust in what we can do, the type of accolades that we can accumulate, the type of resources that we can stow away in a 401k than trust in the God who saved us. I believe this is what's called functional atheism, that we can have a theological belief of a trust in God, but lack of trust within our own lived experience. The psalmist in verse 16 to 17 reminds us that trusting anything except God doesn't work. Verse 16 says this, the king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation and by its great might, it cannot rescue. Okay, here's what was true about the song of that day. The song of that day was whoever had bigger armies nicer horses, I guess, like impressive horses, or who had better strength would win. And so people would put their trust in their armies, their war horses, and their strength. I believe that the narrative of our current culture is whoever believes in themselves more will win. That you actually have to self-actualize yourself to a point where who you are in the future will be determined by who you are today. The focus is all about what we can do and who we are but here's my you know, invitation for us this morning. I actually believe that a song based on self will produce a story of destruction. That the longer you spend looking at yourself as your trust, looking at yourself as your belief structure, the more your life will begin to degrade. And so here's the new song I wanna invite us into this morning. A song not of trusting in ourselves, but of trusting in him. 
verse one says this. Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with lyre. Give melody to him with the harp of 10 strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. I believe the psalmist understands that verse 16 to 17 will be our temptation to try to find our strength in ourselves or in the things that we have. And so what he wants to do in this psalm is to reorder our trust, to show us that trusting in God is far better than trusting in us. And so here is the name of the new song that we have for us this morning, trusting in God because of who he is. Two parts of the song, we trust him because he is faithful and we trust him because he is powerful. Okay, look with me to verse four as we begin. We trust him because he is faithful. Verse four, for the word of the Lord is upright and all his work is done in faithfulness. Okay, we are gonna spend a hot second on this one verse, okay? We are gonna be talking about the faithfulness of God. He has been faithful ever since he existed. Okay, he cannot be inconsistent. This is just who he is. Think about it, okay? From Genesis to Revelation, what is the major theme of the Bible? Is it that human beings were faithful to God? No, okay, we're very bad at being faithful. It is that from Genesis to Revelation that God has been faithful every single step of the way. To rebellious people, he is faithful. To idolatrous people, he is faithful. To an imperfect bride, our church, right here, Redemption Church, shout outs. He is faithful. He has been faithful every single step of the way. He has never done anything else except be faithful because faithfulness is woven into the fabric of who he is. I, I think I just wanna pull aside here really quickly and mention that I think for many of us in this room, the reason why we struggle to trust in a faithful God is because we're imprinting on God our experience with human relationships. So maybe your experience has not been faithfulness. Maybe as you look back into your story, your story is a story of infidelity of your parents. It's a lack of faithfulness to you in your closest fears, your peers. Maybe it's a story of abuse or abandonment. And so the reality is you don't trust God because you don't trust anyone. And your lived day by day experience is that you can't trust anyone and so you have to trust yourself. Okay, here's what I think the psalmist wants to do in verse four. He wants to uncover the beauty of the faithfulness of God to you. And so here's my hope, is that as we continue through this psalm, that God would begin to slowly up and open up your heart to show you that his faithfulness cannot be taken from him. His faithfulness can never change and that he is always faithful to you. Okay, if that's God, that he's faithful, then who are we, okay? What's the human condition? Another F word, not faithful, but fickle. Yes, this is who we are. We are fickle. This is what we do. We change all the time, okay? We are like the least, what is it? Not responsible, dependable people, okay? That's just, this is who we are. We are fickle human beings. And because we are fickle human beings, the more we trust ourselves, the more fearful we become. Redemption, if we are the one who holds our own futures, okay, if your decisions are the only thing that will indicate your future life, then the only logical response is a ton of fear, okay? It's to say, man, I'm just like really not good at trusting my own decisions. 
I actually don't make all the right decisions. And so my future becomes a future of fear when we trust ourselves. And so if the question is, if the song of trust thyself will lead to fear, what is the antidote to that fear? I believe the antidote to fear, a story of fear, is a God who has always been faithful to you. See, I think the best way to fight our fear collectively as a church family is not to try to control every variable so our tomorrow is better than today. It's not to get a nicer job or to get a bigger house or to get more things of this world or maybe even to actualize yourself and read like 700 self-help books, okay? That's like culture, they're like, read more, okay. I don't think the way that we fight the fear of the future is by working on ourselves. I believe the way that we fight the fear of the future is remembering a faithful God. I started going to uh, uh, trauma therapy about two years ago, biweekly, and one of the first things that my therapist told me that I thought was so insightful was that functionally my entire life was rooted in fear. Everything that I ever did, okay? So my insecurities, fear. But even like my accomplishments, like my, my ambition rooted in fear. Everything about me was rooted in fear. My motivation, my lack of motivation, everything about me was rooted in fear. And one of the things that he helped me do, he's a Christian, he's awesome, his name's Todd, he's great. I probably shouldn't have said that, but he's, he's fantastic. <laughs> Anyways, one of the things that he helped me do was to remember how God had been so faithful to me. Even before I was a Christian, he was just like, think back to every juncture in your life. How else can you explain it except the hand of God? We, we moved here like 20 years ago, okay? So we moved here when I was two years old. I was a little baby, okay, from South Korea. And we moved during a time of an economic recession where the South Korean airports were stopping people from leaving. My dad had lost his job, and the only reason why we got through was because his prior employment was with LG, and he had a jacket on that had an LG logo. So they assumed something about him that wasn't true. So we literally were one of the very few families during that time that were able to leave South Korea. And 20 years later, I'm like, how different our lives would have been if not for the hand of God. I remember when my dad became a Christian. I wasn't a Christian yet. I had left the church at 13 and I told my parents I did not believe that Jesus was real. I thought Christianity was a man-made religion and part of the reason why is because I saw broken people within the church. My dad was a man who was angry and abusive and so I thought if he would claim Christianity with his mouth, there's no way that Jesus could be real. And when I was about 15 years old, my dad met Jesus. And I began to watch him change before I knew the Christ that he was talking about. Even before I was a Christian, God has been faithful to me. And as I think about every single moment of his faithfulness to me, here's what begins to happen to the fear within me. It begins to subside. The faithfulness of God is what will help us fight the fear of the future, not ourselves. Okay, so here's my application for this point. On your way home tonight, okay, today, not tonight. I do salt company, that's on Thursday nights. Today, Sunday morning, as we do communion on your way home before you go to bed tonight, here's my invitation for you. I want you to actually write out your fears, all of them. Fears of loneliness and singleness that you'll never get married. Fears of being unable to have kids. 
fears of not knowing what this next life stage holds for you, fears of not knowing the condition of your employment. I don't know what your fears are, but I can bet you've got a ton of them. Write them all down. And then below all those fears, just write out ways that God has been faithful to you. Write out ways that when you're stuck in sin patterns you never thought you could get out of, he was faithful to you. Write out ways when you were in the valley of the shadow of death and you didn't know if you could last another week that God was faithful to you. And here's what I pray would happen inside of your soul, that the fear of your future would subside as the faithfulness of God would imprint upon your heart. That's the application. Okay, part two, part two. We trust him because he's powerful. Look with me to verse six. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the depths in his storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. Okay, I love this. The psalmist is basically nerding out, okay? He's like, yo, the word of the Lord created everything you see. The seas, the oceans, he like says things and it like gets in a mason jar on his counter. Like he's just like, he controls everything. Everything of this world, the word of the Lord speaks into his existence. His words creates, sustains, controls, and is full of power. Guys, I believe that God is in full control of everything because of this psalm because of the way that God describes himself in the word, that he is full of the sovereignty within his being. He is providentially weaving together human history so that we would be here right now. So the question is, why does that matter for us? It matters because when you realize the power of God, that he is not some small God that is wished and washed with the ways of this world, but that he controls everything, including death, that the worst thing that could happen to you, he could redeem, you can live with a certain level of faith in your life. Recently, Tim Keller died, which if you don't know who Tim Keller is, he's the goat, okay? He's amazing, he's so awesome. Read everything he's ever written. It's like so many books. But one thing that shocked me as Tim Keller was passing away was the tweets of his son talking about what his father was saying. See, Tim understood something about the glory, power, and sovereignty of God that I think a lot of us forget in the mundane moments of life. And in the moments before death, he had a level of peace and excitement that could not be described by anything in this world. See, I think he understood something that was true about God that God was sovereignly ordaining even his body failing, even the worst thing that could happen to him in his death so that he could experience the glory of God forever. See, I think that's what we call perspective, right? He had perspective the moments before he died. Okay, how does this change us? How does this make us see God more beautifully? It changes us because when we realize that God is in complete control, he is in complete sovereign control over our lives. His word spoke the world into existence, put breath in our lungs. We do not have to live as the culture by curating every single variable of our futures and putting our hope in that. We don't have to control everything about our futures. We don't have to be people who need, feel the need to put together this, you know, Rubik's cube of life 
Just be like, it's gotta be perfect. Like all the colors have to match. Like we don't have to do that. We don't have to be people consumed with this thought of cult control. I think the reason why this is so important for us is because if we spend a life trying to control our futures, the only natural progression or product will be a manic soul. A soul that is consumed with trying to make life what we want it to be, a soul that is consumed with planning out every single intricacy of our future, a soul that is consumed with believing and maybe falsely living as if we have full control over our lives. I think that when we understand the beauty of the power of God, we can actually experience something far different than a manic soul. We can experience the peace of God to say, here's my new song. My song is not, I'm gonna control my future. My song is not, I'm gonna curate my life. My song is that I believe in a God that controls my future. I cannot control my future, I cannot control my career, I cannot control my relationships, I cannot control my health, but I can control the way that I let down my control to serve Jesus, to see the way that he will change me, and here's what I believe a soul of trust produces, a sense of peace. I don't know if you guys know Crooked T, okay? His name's Terry Langland. He just turned 67, it's very exciting for him but he is spry, he is a spry 67 year old, absolutely. And I think one of the things I've learned as a lesson from Terry is the peace that comes with not trying to control my own life. It's the peace that comes with just saying, wow, God, God is in control of my life. Like, I don't have to plan out everything of my life, I don't have to fit some type of keeping up with the Joneses schedule of life because even if I have that plan, it's not gonna work, right? None of us can actually curate the plans that we're hoping to curate, and the peace that comes with maturity for Terry is that he's looked back on a life where he couldn't control the junctures of the life that he had, and yet God was faithful in all of it. So here's what I've learned from Terry, is what if we could actually just let go of the desire for control and begin to experience the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Okay, as we close, I want to just remember, how do we live a new song? How do we live a song, not of trust of ourselves or our abilities or ambitions or goals or our retirement count? How do we live a life of trust? We live it by remembering that God was faithful, and his faithfulness will actually subside the fears of our soul. But the second thing is his power. His power will remind us that we do not control our own futures, but he does. And so we get to rest in that reality. But as we close our time together, the final reason why we trust him is ultimately because Psalm 33 describes the faithfulness of God, describes the power of God, but Jesus was the embodiment of that faithfulness. Jesus was the embodiment of that power. When I think of the faithfulness of God, the thing that I remember is when Jesus said that he loved them to the very end. Love them to the end, to the top of the hill of Calvary. Love them to the very brink of the cross and would love us so much and would be so faithful to us to die for our sins. That's what I remember as the faithfulness of God. And as I think about the power of God, I think about how Jesus in John 19 with just three words spoke redemptive history into motion when he said, it is finished. 
and salvation was free for all who would believe in him. No greater example of faithfulness than the cross, no greater example than power than the cross. So how does this change us, Redemption Church? We grow from a manic state to a peaceful state. We go from a fearful heart to a faithful heart and we begin to experience a glad heart. Look with me, verse 20 of Psalm 33. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us even as we hope in you. Okay. How do we live a life with a new song? We actually begin to not live as functional atheists who say they believe in a God or say they trust in a God but ultimately trust in themselves. But we lay down our desires, our needs, our wants at the feet of Jesus. We take a posture not of determination but a dependence. And we say, Lord, you've shown me your faithfulness and your power, so I trust that you've got this. Let me pray as we enter back into worship. Father, I want us to be people who sing a new song. Songs not of self-reliance or self-dependence or self-actualization or whatever that is. Songs not of the culture. Songs not of keeping up with other people or having timelines and control of what we're going to be or what we're going to do or who we're going to do it with. But that, Father, we would actually begin to trust that our song would be, we trust you because of who you are, that you have been faithful to us, that you have been gracious to us, that you are powerful, and it is by your words that you created the entire world, that you started redemptive history, that you are here with us right now, providentially weaving together the paths of our life so that we may know you more. Father, I pray for freedom in this room that as we go out as a church family into our city, that we would be marked, not with fear that comes from trusting in yourself, but with faith that comes from trusting in you. Not with anxiety that comes from trying to figure out our life on our own, but with peace that comes from knowing that you're in control. Father, we wanna be different types of people. We wanna trust in you. We wanna say that with our mouths and live that with our lives. We want our song to reflect our story and we wanna be people that trust in the King who died on our behalf. Thank you, Jesus. It's your name that we pray, amen.